Hey Tripod listeners, my name is Travis Lux. I am a coastal reporter at New Orleans Public Radio, and I'm hopping in this feed to introduce you to a new podcast from WWNO and WRKF. It's called Life Raft. Each episode explores a different question about living with climate change, and those questions are submitted by listeners like you. It's hosted by me and a New Orleans comedian named Lauren Malera really fun. Anyway, I thought I would share this episode with you here um, so you can get a feel for what it's all about, what it sounds like. This episode's all about climate-induced flooding. So whether you live in New Orleans or really anywhere across the southeastern U.S., rainfall is getting heavier, which is causing more and more flooding. So what can we actually do about that? That's what this episode's all about. So if you like what you hear, subscribe to the show. You can subscribe and listen to Life Raft wherever you get your podcasts. So that's enough talking from me. Here's the episode. So the city of New Orleans flooded big time a couple of years ago. I'm talking about August 5th, 2017. Here's a couple of news clips from that time. Heavy rain and flooding this weekend. Streets flooded and impassable. Cars stuck. It just kept coming up and coming up and coming up, and it was the highest I've ever seen it. Do you remember the storm, Lauren, this flood? I do remember it. I remember my sister was maybe about three miles away from me, and she got stranded at this gas station for several hours with her dog and my nephew, and she actually wound up totaling her car. Um, And I remember thinking to myself, how did this happen? I was actually out of town for this. I was, my brother was getting married out of state, and so I was also kind of like watching from afar, kind of in horror at the images I was seeing of streets completely filled up with water, cars floating around, and it took like half a day to drain. And by the end, officials were saying this was a 100-year storm, a very rare occurrence. But it was a few inches of rain. And when you looked at the pictures, it looked like Hurricane Katrina Mm -hmm. from a few inches of rain. The levees hadn't broken, and it wasn't a Category 5 hurricane. It was a few inches of rain. Right. So there's this photo from that day. It was kind of a famous photo. It made the rounds on the internet. Do you know what I'm about to show you? It's that dude. It's that dude. It's that party dude. So can you just describe, I'm handing you this photo. Can you just describe (laughs) (laughs) what you're seeing in this photo? All right. There's a shirtless man and he's in the front porch in a canoe. There's a car behind him and the water- Just casually floating in the background. (laughs) Yes. The water is like up to the front lights of the car, almost to the hood of the car. There's a trash can tipped over in front of him. He's in a canoe chugging a beer. He has on no shirt. And if I had to name him, I'd name him Daryl. Why do you say Daryl? He just, the lack of the shirt and the backwards baseball cap is giving me a Daryl feel. What is it about this photo that speaks to so many people? This sums up our whole attitude regarding flooding here. And I think that's why New Orleans is such a fun, magical place, because we're all sort of living under this threat that at any point we could lose everything from flooding. So we have to just live as fully as we can when we can. So Daryl here wanted a beer and this flood wasn't going to stop him. Exactly. (laughs) He was like, I had a plan for Saturday. And that plan did not involve a shirt. No, (laughs) it certainly didn't. So I wanted to find a little bit more about this guy. Uh, So I thought I would go to the place he was last seen, Bayou Beer Garden, which is a bar in New Orleans. It's a place that always seems to flood. 
Also, this was way back before coronavirus, so I'm not gonna be breaking any social distancing guidelines based on what you're gonna hear here. Turns out that the bartender who was on duty when I went there, Matt Wilbrat, was also the bartender who was on shift back in the August 5th flood in 2017. And he remembers this picture and the guy in this canoe very well. I served him the, that Corona that he's drinking. <laughs> yeah. So it was a Saturday morning. It just, it, it rained and it kept raining and then the water never went down. It kept coming up. Um, we had about two feet of water in front of the building. And then in the street, you probably had three feet. Um, People were, you know, already in the bar, hanging out and drinking. And Matt remembers that there was like a really big bachelor party from Minnesota out on the front porch. So the guy in the kayak pulled up to the bar and then the bachelor party on the front porch were like, don't get out, don't get out, we'll go get you a beer, bro. And then they, they came in and bought him that beer. And then he just chugged it? Yeah, yeah, he, uh, he drank it and I think he went down uh, towards the bayou. And then what, did you ever see him again? No, I, 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 have, I haven't seen him since. That's like such a classic New Orleans story of neighbors helping neighbors. Like, don't get out of your canoe. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a, a, a funny part of the day. But the day also took a pretty serious turn, um, as I quickly learned from Matt. One of our regulars actually had a heart attack walking home that night. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah he was trying to walk in the flood water and he uh, had a heart attack and then, and then drowned. Oh my goodness. Yeah. One of the scariest parts about flooding is how unpredictable it is. It could be a few inches of rain that recedes very quickly, or it could be a life-threatening situation. The stress of the unknown also weighs heavy on the citizens of New Orleans, especially those who suffer from PTSD related to Hurricane Katrina. Definitely. And, you know, people here have said that that storm in particular, it felt like Katrina all over again. It looked so similar. It definitely was not as bad or as widespread, but people were thrust back into the trauma and the stress of Katrina in this heavy rainstorm flooding, even if briefly. So these flooding events, even though there can be some frivolity going on, they're also very serious. So anyway, as I was leaving the bar, I ran into Nicole LeBrun outside. She told me she's a regular there. Yeah, I was actually here today with, that Matt was telling you about when the guy was in the kayak and uh, one of our friends, yeah, he had a heart attack and pretty much passed away that day. Nicole told me that she's lived here about 10 years, but she admits that she doesn't really know a whole lot about flooding in the city of New Orleans. But she does have questions, though, and so what we're going to do is we're going to try to answer her questions. For one, she's wondering, why does it keep flooding in the city? I'm interested in knowing what I can do uh, yeah, myself as well. So basically, the question for this episode is, what can we do to help prevent flooding in our neighborhoods? From WWNO, WRKF, and PRX, this is Life Raft, your survival guide for a changing planet. My name is Lauren Malera. I'm a local comedian who was born and raised in Uptown New Orleans. And I'm Travis Lux. I'm an environment reporter for New Orleans Public Radio. And today on the show, flooding. Can we do anything about it? Okay, so Lauren, I wanted to talk to someone who's been doing this, who's taking some action, trying to reduce some flooding in their own neighborhood. How's it going? So we got in touch with Arsane DeLay. She's a musician who lives in the Seventh Ward neighborhood in New Orleans. So I noticed two things right away when I walked into her house. Guitars all over the walls 
and plants everywhere. My addiction is I have a bad plant habit, as you can see. Arsene told me that she's from New Orleans and her family goes way back, 13 generations back. My family has been in this neighborhood for a very long time. And they've watched the neighborhood change over the years. It's drastically changed, actually. Um, This area didn't, like this part, never flooded. Arsan lives in a part of town that's slightly above sea level. So a quick little explainer for non-New Orleans listeners, about half the city of New Orleans is above sea level and half is below it. And Arsan just happens to live in one of the slightly higher parts of town. But let's get back to that August 5th flood because she says that was a big one for her. And it's what spurred her to want to take action. She remembers everything about that day. It started off when she was at a gig and that's when it started raining. And she just had this feeling that it was going to be a bad one. I remember in between set breaks going and checking on my car. I remember moving my car and making sure that I parked with my wheels up on the sidewalk on the side where the exhaust pipe was because I didn't want water getting in the exhaust. So she goes back in to the gig, she finishes the set, and then at the end she packs up her car and she's starting to drive away when she realizes this is not going to work. I mean, it was a, a river, a lake was running through the entire 7th Ward. She didn't want to ruin her car, obviously, or all that expensive music gear in it. So she parks up on the sidewalk and she's just like, okay, I'm just going to walk. But I took my heels off and I walked barefoot. And she says it was walking barefoot through the city of New Orleans that was a turning point for her. Something in her shifted. It just made her want to, like, do something. I saw it here. and I was like, yeah, something's got to Something's got to give. We have to live with water. We can't work against it. We have to come to terms with the fact that the water is po- more powerful than we are. And we have to respect that. It's like the water is going to be here. We have to give it somewhere else to go other than the drainage system. Okay, so here's what our sand did to basically try to trap all that water that's been falling on her property. Wait, hold up, Travis. Wait one minute. Before we get there, we need to understand why this is happening, like the science behind it. It seems to me we're getting a lot more rain than we used to because there's always been flooding, but the streets didn't always flood like this. Yeah, so this is probably a good time for a little science sidebar, and we can just come back to our sand in a little bit. So to understand the rainfall science stuff and understand, you know, whether we are getting more rain these days, I called up Barry Keim. I'm a professor at Louisiana State University in the Department of Geography and Anthropology, and I also serve as the Louisiana State Climatologist. Barry says rainfall patterns have indeed been changing. I'm a scientist. (laughs) But what's surprising, Barry said it's not the amount of rain that's been changing. He's looked back over the last 50 to 60 years and studied this, and he says we're still averaging about 60 to 65 inches per year of rain in that time frame. But what has changed is that the storms are getting more intense. That checks out. It seems like when it rains, it pours. Right. In other words, instead of having storms lasting for six, seven, or eight hours, uh, storms are now lasting three, four, and five hours. And what essentially what's happening is we're getting about the same amount of moisture produced in those three, four, and five-hour storms as we are in the six, seven, or eight-hour storms. Um, So basically the rain is being dumped in shorter periods of time. What have we done wrong? Do we party too much? Maybe. Maybe it has something to do with Daryl. Maybe it has to do with Daryl's lack of a shirt. It could be. Put on a shirt, (laughs) Daryl. 
Anyway, I did ask Barry why this is happening, and he says we don't know for sure why it's happening, but we do know uh, that the Gulf of Mexico has been warmer than it used to be. Mm, so this is climate change's fault. Yeah, it's hard to say exactly how much how much of this warming has to do with climate change, but the point is that Barry says it's at least in part due to climate change, and we do know that warmer oceans increase rainfall potential. Yes, more evaporation, warm air holds more water, then we get more rain. Yeah, so as the Gulf of Mexico heats up, that means heavier rainstorms for us here. But, and this is another thing that surprised me, it might also mean a much less predictable climate around here as well. The climate is probably gonna get more variable. In other words, it's gonna be more feast or famine, where we're gonna get, uh, you know, more, more droughts, more intense droughts, but mixed in with very wet periods and periods of uh, you know, really intense rainfall. And this is already becoming a problem for cities like ours. It's really wreaking havoc on, on drainage networks. I mean, not only in New Orleans, but really all across the southeastern United States. Now here in New Orleans, we have a very rich culture, but we also have a super complicated and old drainage system. So... It's been getting more and more overwhelmed as storms continue to quickly dump water into the city. Yeah, and to be clear, when we're talking about that flood back on August 5th in 2017, that storm in particular, rain was really just part of the problem. The Sewerage and Water Board, which is the utility that oversees most of the drainage in the city, that system was not working 100%. There were drainage pumps that were broken, and also generators that power those pumps were also having issues. So basically, we just like weren't pumping as much water as we should have been. But that said, we did get enough rain in such a short amount of time that we would have flooded no matter what, even if the system was working perfectly. So what are we supposed to do, Travis? Basically, we need to rethink some things, make some adjustments. Barry Keim says that one option is to invest in bigger pumps, of course, move more water, move it faster out of the city. But then on the other side of the spectrum, there's what's called green infrastructure. If you can just find places to store the water and let your pumps catch up uh, from these intense rainfall events, that, that absolutely is a great idea. Trying to reduce the number of impervious surfaces and make the surfaces that you have be able to absorb that water, that, uh, that's definitely a step in the right direction. So, you know, basically make the ground more absorbent. That means things like ripping up concrete to let the water seep into the ground more slowly. It might mean making it so that our lawns and our parks and our streets hold on to that water and kind of trap it in place so that it doesn't have to be pumped out. Okay, this makes sense. So let's take a quick break and then get back to our Sandalay because she was about to show you her front yard and all the cool stuff she's been doing. So basically what our San is doing is she's trying to catch as much rainfall from her roof as possible. Right, because here in New Orleans, a house pretty much takes up the entire lot. We have right. what are called shotguns, which will run from the front of a property to the back. Not so big on front yards and backyards, although I'm not saying people don't have them. Right. But if the house is taking up most of the space, catching the water on the roof makes sense. Right, so she's trying to funnel it other places, like her front yard which is where she's built something called a rain garden. So this, this whole area where um, you see all of the pine straw. It's a type of, of garden that's designed to catch rain. And she says her whole front yard where that pine straw was used to be concrete. And what would happen is when it would rain, it would start puddling right here. And like it was trying to go into the ground, but it wouldn't. So then it would just peel off and then it was flooding into the streets. 
So she ripped it up, or at least a little patch of it. I'd say it's like 10 feet by 10 feet or something. So the way that this rain garden works is basically it functions like a, a pit, really, a pit in the ground, a hole for the water to rest in. You dig down like a foot and a half and you fill it with some rocks and some sand and then you put plants on top, plants that really like water. We put swamp lilies, um, we put uh, bee balm and Louisiana irises. And so now it's this really beautiful, lush little garden. And our sand says that it can hold about 300 gallons of water. Mm, okay, but I did look this up on Google and a bathtub is about 80 gallons. So her rain garden is catching almost four bathtubs of water, and that is not a lot. I do more than that on a stressful week. <laughs> well, she's done other stuff too. So in the backyard, she's also collecting rainwater from the gutters attached to her roof. In any case, she says that all those things combined, it really does make a difference. Just even on, on this particular lot, when we have those heavy rains, there's lots of puddling and stuff that's sitting on other parts of the street, but it's not doing that in front of my house. And Arsan says that if more people did this on their own properties, she thinks it could really help reduce flooding all across the city. But I mean, if everybody did it, I, I would definitely think we would have a severe, well, first off, people's cars wouldn't go getting messed up. We, people wouldn't be losing cars left and right. You know, like the folks on Broad wouldn't be seeing, they wouldn't necessarily be having water getting in their houses. It's like, well, geez, what can I do? People want to feel empowered and green infrastructure is empowering. When I sit there and I see my water garden absorbing the water and it not getting anywhere near my car, I'm like, yes, I did something. I'm just, has anyone done the math on this? If every homeowner or renter in New Orleans did something like what she did, would it make a difference? Like, has anyone run some sort of computer model that's giving us facts? Actually, yes. Yeah, that's a, uh, it certainly makes a difference. This is Aaron Chang. He's an urban designer and an educator. I feel a very strong butt coming. There's a pretty big butt coming. I think the, the tricky thing is that we get rainfall at such incredible rates. There are cases in the city's history where um, we've seen 20, 25, even more inches of rain, like incredible amounts of rain uh, in a single day. So when you have rain falling at that rate, your rain garden will also be insufficient. And so you will see flooding. Okay, so to back up, about 10 years ago, the state of Louisiana and this local nonprofit, GNO Inc., they funded something called the Greater New Orleans Urban Water Plan. Basically, it looked at rainfall and drainage all across our area. So Orleans and St. Bernard and Jefferson Parishes. And a bunch of scientists and, and designers worked on this, and Aaron was one of them. And what they found was the way that we've been approaching rainfall in the city, which is basically drain it out as fast as possible, get it out of here, that doesn't seem to be working very well, and we need to do something a little different. Um, so I was really looking at how, how do we imagine a radically different relationship to water in the city where we're not hiding it underground in culverts and, uh, and pumping it out of the city as quickly as it falls, but rather um, finding ways to embrace it. And not just for aesthetic reasons, but actually um, as a way to protect the city uh, in an era where rainfall, uh, rainfall is increasingly 
kind of inconstant and and we have more and more extreme weather. So the urban water plan basically ended up making all these kinds of suggestions for how to embrace water more, like build more canals across the city, like you see in Venice or Amsterdam, for water to basically drain into. Uh, things like redesigning our parks and streets with green infrastructure, like we were talking about earlier, to trap water better, and to get citizens like our San to build things like rain gardens on their property. This sounds so expensive. It's pr- very expensive. So if we did everything in this plan, as it's outlined, that would cost about $6 billion. Holy moly. Yeah. And so anyway, the people who put this plan together, the experts and the designers, they ran a bunch of tests Testing different scenarios like, okay, what if we used all the vacant properties to store water, you know, diverted water there? How much would that affect flooding in the future? Or what if everyone in the city built a rain garden? What would that do? Uh, For all the modeling, uh, we learned pretty quickly that um, there's no single solution that's going to address flooding in the city. You could double the size of all the pumps and all the storm drains and we would still flood. Um, You could put rain gardens on every single street and every single private property and public property, we would still flood. So if I understand what he's saying, there's no way to solve flooding in the city, even with like $6 million. Billion. Billion dollars. Oh, we're screwed. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah. So the more of this kind of stuff that we do, the better we're going to be able to deal with flooding in the city when it rains. Rain gardens work. There's no doubt about that. But the way these rainfall patterns are going, when it comes to some of these biggest rainstorms especially, we're probably never going to defeat flooding for those kind of of rainstorms. Mm. It's going to help for the smaller ones, but maybe not the biggest ones. So what are we supposed to do with all this information we've just collected? I mean, I think it's really easy to feel a little bit cynical Mm -hmm. or defeated or sarcastic like great what's the point now Um, but I like the way that Aaron views it better I think when we talk about climate change part of what it does for me is that it instills or I hope instills humility in all of us that if you look at the history of human civilization the environment is constantly changing. When you look at artwork documenting floods and altarpieces and other records of other disasters in the U.S. and other countries, it's so often the same imagery. Somebody dragging a flat boat through floodwaters with a dog and a pile of belongings. You, you see these parallels. And so it's to accept the fact that human ingenuity will take you so far that there will always be a storm bigger or different from what you could have imagined, predicted, engineered, done science for. To me, it's not cynicism. It's accepting that as a condition and and using that to force us to ask harder questions about how we want to define safety. Well, I do like this bit about how we're all in it together, you know? And this is something that affects us all, even if we're in other countries or even in other times. Yeah. And hopefully we can just make some changes that make things a little bit better at the very least. Mm. And we could also have some 
hard conversations about what safety looks like where we live, like Aaron was mentioning. Well, I guess it feels like a natural ending to this episode. I think you're right. Maybe we should just recap what we learned for the people. Okay, you go first. Okay. It rains a lot here because we live near the Gulf of Mexico. Climate change isn't bringing us more rain. It's just dumping that rain down faster. People are taking action, trying to reduce flooding by absorbing water on their properties. Right. And that works. It's empowering, like we're mm-hmm. from our sand, and it's really useful. Um, but rain gardens alone, we learned, are not going to solve flooding totally in the city. In fact, we basically can't solve flooding in the city. So we should start thinking and talking about how much water is acceptable and safe and what we do want to do about it as a city. Right. All right, let's do the credits. Let's do them. Life Raft is a production of WWNO, WRKF, and PRX and is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people. Today's episode was produced by Travis Lux and edited by Curtis Fox. The theme song is written by Peter Bowling. Additional music by Blue Dot Sessions. Local art is by Laura Sanders. And don't forget to check us out on social media. We are at LifeRaftPod. That's for Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you have a climate question that you want us to explore, please send it to us. There's a super simple form on our website, um, and there's a link to that in our show notes. So if you heard our Sandalay talking about rain gardens and were like, that sounds cool. Wonder if I could do that. My Christmas break's coming up. Well, you can. <laughs> and there's a really great guidebook out there for you. Yeah, there's a nonprofit based in New Orleans called Waterwise Gulf South. And they've got a downloadable booklet on their website that walks you through all the different kinds of things that you can do for green infrastructure on your property, even if you're a renter. And there's a link to that also in our show notes. There are also a ton of other organizations doing this work as well, right here in the city of New Orleans. And we'll link them in the show notes as well. All right, I'm Travis Lux. I'm Lauren Malera. Bye-bye. <laughs>